You're listening to Financial Sense, Arizona's financial podcast that answers your real questions about money in your business and in your life. Recorded at and brought to you by National Bank of Arizona, the only bank you need. Hello, I'm your host, Brent Cannon. I'm Executive Vice President and Director of the Community Bank here at National Bank of Arizona. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we have our returning guest, John Lewis, Senior Vice President and Business Banking Regional Manager at National Bank of Arizona. And also returning is Stephanie Sims, founder of FinanceAbility and author of Funding Your Business Without Selling Your Soul. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for having us, Brent. Yeah, it's great to be here, Brent. As you know, on this podcast, we like to give people insights that they can only get from a friend in the business. Last time, we were discussing some insights on maximizing business assets and returns and getting your business back in the black. Let's jump right back in. Stephanie, we'll start with you. You're our you're our, uh, our our guest here. John's a guest, but John uh, John and I are both uh, part of National Bank of Arizona, so you're our you're our true guest. So um, let's start with this question, Stephanie. Uh, thinking about operating leverage in a business, um, a what is it, and b how can businesses maximize it, and should they? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a great question, and I think um, I'd love to get John's thoughts because I know everyone defines operating leverage a little bit differently. Um, I think operating leverage in my conception of it is really around how you can do the things that need to be done in your business more efficiently, right? So where are the places uh, in the way that you provide your services or products or even in the way that you acquire your customers that you can do those things a little bit more efficiently? And the way that that obviously helps you is by saving on costs because what it allows you to do is obtain the same level of revenue at a lower cost. Right. But but this is where this is where I'd like to hear the experts. This John, I'm sure, has got a better a better definition than I do. All right, John. When I thought about this question, I think it ties in quite well with as Stephanie mentioned. You know, what do I need to get the maximum amount of revenue? What, what's what's really needed? And the things that I think about when I when I think about like so. So if you're a business and you say, oh, you know, I want a really nice, new, shiny office building that's going to cause a really big fixed expense, that's great. But is that office building going to increase your revenue to a high enough amount that it makes sense that that you take on that that new fixed expense that's never that's not going to go away? So if if sales decline, um, that expense stays the same. There's there's no changing that. And so, you know, that's that's when I, what I look at look at is can I justify this? Can I justify the, these fixed expenses? And are these fixed expenses um, going to result in my my revenue increasing to a to an amount that will make it make sense? You know, there's certain businesses that you have to have certain things. If you're going to manufacture something, you have to have a manufacturing facility to be able to do that, and then you're going to have to generate enough revenue to be able to make that all work. Um, but if you're a, you know, a, a small business, I'll, I'll take an example uh, of a, a landscaping business that I did business, have done business with, and they, they had established a really good uh, business model, done well, was making, you know, good money off of that aspect, and they decided to bring on a nursery, and the nursery was a kind of a nice, cool complement, but what that did is it, it resulted in a, a large fixed expense that, that didn't go away. And so as the economy went up and down, they, they continue to have that, that, that fixed expense. There's no, there's no way to get around it. Yeah. I like to think of operating leverage, like, you know, in my mind, for every dollar of incremental revenue, 
the more that you can have, uh, the, the lower the expense, the incremental expense can be to earn that incremental dollar of revenue, that's operating leverage. So to the extent that you can grow that or, 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 or uh, uh, enlarge the, or the number of, I'm trying to say this right, to the extent that you can uh, increase that dollar of, of incremental revenue to the bottom line, that's maximizing operating leverage. That's how I yep. like to think about it. So yep. thanks. Those are, those are great thoughts. Uh, next question. When a business is looking at um, leveraging technology and, you know, oftentimes they balance that with their human assets. We've talked about relationships and kind of, and people, uh, the human capital, if you will, how should businesses kind of balance those two and when should they take advantage of technology or uh, I think these are all really difficult questions that businesses wrestle with. Stephanie? Well, I think I think you're right, uh, Brent, that a lot of people are saying to themselves, okay, I have to cut my costs. Labor is my biggest cost. How do I, right. and this is terrible, but get rid of some of my employees. And while, while I think automation, uh, even pre-COVID, uh, was definitely a hot topic, I think that what we're discovering is that if we can be transparent with the workforce, a lot of times they can provide a lot more value than a simple automated solution. Right. The, the other thing that I would encourage people who are considering moving some processes into a technological or into an automated pro, uh, platform to think about is whether or not that process is really that standardized. Because quite often we may have a really talented employee who is doing something and perhaps customizing the service or the conversation to the person they're talking to. And that's a lot more challenging to, to capture in technology than we might think. And so as we're considering, okay, human capital versus technology, I'd encourage you to really involve your employees and try to understand exactly what they're doing before you start to make sort of a direct cost comparison. Well, this only costs so much per month, whereas my employee costs this much. Yeah, more than just a math problem. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's a great point. John, what are your thoughts here? I also think about the importance of including customers too. To get the customer's perspective, what's, what's their experience going to be like? If you move to this, you know, to different technology, that could be a great customer experience, could also be a bad customer experience. And so, so how is that going to be delivered to the customer? Are they going to be comfortable with it? Um, do you have competitors um, who are not doing that? And if the customers are more comfortable with the other way, will they go to that competitor? Will you lose market share because of that? I think there's just a lot to, to try to figure out. I do think there's a lot of great technology out there to help um, save, some, save some on some cost. But, but I think it's important to always remember that we can't forget about the customer experience because um, they're the ones that are going to be buying our products and services, whatever that may be. Yeah. You know, from a bank standpoint, we're a service industry. We, we think about these issues all the time. We think about uh, leveraging technology and balancing the customer experience and, and what exactly do we want that to be. And, and depending, on, depending on your model and depending on your strategic focus, I think that should probably weigh into the, the decision of how much technology you decide to leverage versus, say, the human capital. And, and it just it really depends on, on, on your model, I think, in, in, in many respects. For instance, in banking, there are some banks that have a um, that have branches and, and leverage technology a great deal because they're trying to really um, 
uh, meet a volume uh, or, or execute on a volume model. Whereas maybe a different bank will be smaller and have fewer locations and really focus on more interactions, higher level interactions. Both are sound. They're just, they're different, different strategic models. Yeah. And, and Brent, actually that connects directly to John's point, which is those are two different target customers too, yeah. right? There are customers who want quick and dirty and I just need to do my thing and move on. But then there are customers who are really attracted by that more relationship-based model. And that's why it's so important to know who they are before you start kind of pivoting willy-nilly into a technology. Right. right. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, okay, Stephanie, we're going to keep rolling here. Uh, what, what, so, so businesses, in my experience, working many years with small businesses, boy, I found businesses, small businesses don't like to, um, they don't like to budget. <laughs> and uh, in fact, we as, we as consumers don't like to budget, do we? Uh, but what, what, would, what would be some of the thoughts you would share with the, the value in budgeting and saving and really kind of starting to build a trend line between a budget and actual performance? Yeah, I think, I think one of the reasons budgets get a bad rap, honestly, is because it feels constraining, right? It feels like you can't right. do this, you can't do that. Um, and, and so what I try to encourage people to think about is a spending plan, yeah. right? So we're not like, we're not trying to say you can't do things. We're just trying to say, here's what we're shooting for. And then once you set that target with your budget, then I think it's really interesting to start understanding why you weren't able to maintain it. Because in certain cases, um, not hitting your budget can be a good thing right? Let's say that what happened was you got a really great opportunity to partner. And so you spent more than you expected with a marketing experience, but that brought you in twice as much revenue. Right. Well, in that case, it's great to have beaten your, your marketing budget because you also beat your revenue budget. So, so to me, having a, a really solid budget is also key to understanding your business better and seeing where your money is going. Even as we were talking about, you know, earlier, when we were saying it's important to know what's a nice to have and what's a must have, having that budget and comparing it to actuals really is the best way to understand what your business needs versus what's a nice to have. Yeah, yeah, that's great. John, what do you think on, what are your thoughts on, on this on this topic? You know, I when you think about budgets, one of the things that always sticks in my mind is, you know, businesses get so busy, um, churning revenue, trying to grow market share, trying to get new customers. And where, where you see oftentimes is they get so busy doing all that. And sometimes you forget about, you know, are we really making money at this? You know, are we, we're bringing on all these new customers, but is, is it profitable? Um, we're bringing on new customers, but hey, but our cash flow is strained. Why is that? And I think budgeting is really key to that, to really take the time to understand you know what the end result's going to be with it, whether it's growth, uh, or bringing on a new a new customer, a big customer. You know, does it make sense? Because um, I've I've just seen over time that that sometimes a small business might land a, a customer that they think is going to be a great thing because it generates a lot of revenue, but when you work through it all, the profitability is is very small in comparison if they would have got twenty customers, um, different customers. And so I think that, that is just really important um, for businesses to then go through that budget and say, okay, this is what we projected. This is what really happened. And then they understand, oh, you know, is, that, is this really the path we want to go down to? Or do we need to shift our focus and do this a little bit different? I, I guess the word for me is perspective. 
when I think about this, it provides perspective. When you're running a business, you know, you're going, like you said, 100 miles an hour. And sometimes, <clears throat> you know, you're just not sure uh, uh, where you're at, whether it's, you know, from a revenue or expense side. And that budget for me just just provides perspective. It's a, it's a point. It's a point in time. And it won't be perfect. It, 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 it probably won't even track to reality unless you have a very a seasoned business that you can, you know, set, you really know the cycles, but for most, it'll be, it'll be, uh, you know, okay, well, we missed on this, but we learned for that for the next year. And it becomes, it, it does become a, 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 the base for setting trends and, and building a trend line and ultimately providing that multi-year perspective. So Stephanie, John, I just I want to say thank you again. Those are some great insights that I think any business owner can really think about. Don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcasting platform. We'll see you next time. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. The podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or recommendation from any Zions Bank Corporation NA entity to the listener. Neither Zions Bank Corporation NA nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Zions Bank Corporation N.A. And Zions Bank Corporation N.A. is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving advice, investment, or otherwise by Zions Bank Corporation N.A. to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Zions Bank Corporation N.A. entity. Copyright reserved by Zions Bank Corporation N.A. National Make of Arizona, a division of Zions Bank Corporation N.A. member FDIC.